Welcome to the Resilience Unlimited show, your go-to podcast for empowerment and growth. I'm Coach Dr. Lauren, founder of Resilience Unlimited, inviting you to join our transformative journey each week. This space is specially crafted for high-achieving women, specifically women of color, where we can feel seen, heard, and part of a thriving community. This podcast is your compass for emotional regulation, understanding your purpose, and living unapologetically authentic. Ready to invest in yourself? All right, we are back. This is another fantastic episode with another guest. So this is just uh, such an exciting space to be in. I love meeting new people, new women, resilience. I mean, this is just, I'm excited to be here. So if you are new tuning in to the Resilience Unlimited show, I am Dr. Lauren, as you heard in the intro. And um, I drop episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Eastern. And I just love being able to have this authentic space for women of color where we can really just thrive and shine and just show our true colors and passion. So um, those of you that have been tuning in, you know that I like the structure of a question and then a conversation. So I have a guest today and I'm so excited because she is a TED Talk guest too. And you have to see her TED Talk, but we'll talk about that later. And her name is Rashida Williams. And I am just so, so excited to hear all about the resilience and mentoring and all of the things that encompass your business. So Rashida, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is so great to connect with you. I am truly honored to be a part of this podcast and the amazing work that you're doing to help uplift and support our community. Yes, and you as well. I mean, your your work, I'm so excited to delve into it. And before we kick off you kind of telling a little bit about yourself, I do want to let you all know if you are listening to this, you can also pop on the YouTube uh, channel so you can see us having a conversation. You can get a sense of look like, all of that good stuff. So Rashida, why don't you open up the conversation and let us know a little bit about you and why you're here? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. So I'm Rashida Kamaria Williams, and I'm the Chief Empowering Officer for Empowered Flower Girl. I like to tell people that I'm a mentor turned social entrepreneur, but I'll always be a mentor uh, because that's that's just what I do. Yeah. Uh, but Empowered Flower Girl is a social enterprise that I started uh, after years of mentoring youth, in particular girls and young women, I had mentored, I would say, probably about um, five to about five or six young people before I launched Empowered Flower Girl. So, okay. yeah, it was really a journey of me going from working with youth uh, in a one-on-one capacity to realizing that there are so many young people in our communities who need help and guidance and support. And what can I do to formalize things and make sure that more young people have access to this type of support? So I founded Empowered Flower Girl in 2010, and we were to help young people live above life's drama from cyberbullying to societal pressure. So ultimately, they can make a powerful difference in the world. 
Yes. And when you were talking about cyberbullying, I was thinking about your TED talk and it was just, for me personally, you opened and shed light on things I never thought of. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why this is such an empowering and important conversation. So I am going to lead with our our big opening question and I'm going to read it because it's very detailed, but I feel like it's, it's meaty. So how would you advise youth advocates and mentors working to instill resilience in the young people they support, particularly amidst societal challenges? And how do you foresee resilience remaining a central focus in your future plans and initiatives for Empowered Flower Girl? Wow. Like when I think about that question, it's, yeah, like you said, it's it's meaty, and it is, oh, it I, is. and I love talking about. Uh, Let's this. break it down. <laughs> Let's break it down. Over the past few years, what I've been laser focused on is really inspiring intergenerational empathy and understanding. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And to me, that is the key. Yeah. When we look at how things have been going in our society, right? There's been a lot of challenges that not only face uh, young people, but adults as well. And all of us are facing this together. From, of course, we had COVID, right? We we had an international uh, pandemic. You know, no matter where you were in the world, you were impacted by COVID. And, And our young people really, really experienced that in different ways that adults didn't right right there many of their milestones that we got to experience you know they didn't get to experience prom or homecoming or graduation yeah we did right so they're experiencing this they have fears as well they're losing parents they're losing friends uh teachers uh people who they love just like we are uh so not only that they face that but also economic uncertainty, not knowing is my family going to have a place to live or stay. Uh, So, so so many of these challenges. And then, you know, even before the pandemic and moving um, post COVID, even though we're not right, but looking at at schools and the safety component, many Mm -hmm. don't feel safe going to school. They worry about active shooters. They don't know if they'll be going home where they have to make a call to their parents saying that we're on lockdown. Right. Right. So we look at all of these challenges that they're facing and what I like to, uh, what I like to present to adults who are working with youth, the youth advocates, whether that's parents, educators, mentors, or relatives, caregivers, I like to present to them this notion of intergenerational empathy. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important for us to look at uh, how young people are growing up in the 21st century and stop the comparisons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to pause you just for a second there because I think this is like a movement. Like this is a big thing on social media Mm -hmm. and I'm a millennial and I hear a lot of like millennials, I don't want to say like dissing boomers, but it's just this whole thing where like, for example, buying a house. Like right. that is a huge issue where, you know, they'll say the boomers are like, oh, well, you know, you need to work harder and you need to do this. But I mean, you really have to look at like, what is our economy looking like now? How do we have the empathy and the understanding and the resilience to say, okay, well, times were different. You know, $30,000 in 1980 was was probably good. But now, I mean, $75,000 is not even middle class in some places to even 
you know, buy a house, get groceries, live comfortably. That's not even luxury. So I, I would love for those of you who aren't familiar with intergenerational, um, do you say empathy, inter, intergenerational empathy and understanding? Yeah. Can you explain what that means? Because some of our people may not understand what that actually means. Yeah. So when I think of intergenerational empathy and understanding, I'm looking at it out of a lens of this collective empathy, right? Being able to, maybe you don't understand completely, right? Uh, but you have your own lived experiences and recognizing and honoring others. Uh, for example, knowing that young people, uh, Generation Z and Alpha, uh, th- those young people are, are facing challenges that we may have never imagined. Uh, look, Looking at not so much as, oh, this generation, oh, they're soft or they're weak, but yeah. they are resilient. Yeah. They are resilient. And in fact, some of them are facing challenges in a way that often leads them to feeling alone. Like they, they don't really have the support that many of us had because I know growing up, you know, I'm actually right on the cusp of Gen X and millennial. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so growing up, I had a, a huge sense of community. Yes. Uh, the neighbors, you know, the neighbors were allowed to discipline you, right? But the neighbor, your neighbors were also uh, really actively involved in your development. Like mm. I had neighbors who were like, you know, the aunties and uncles of all the kids in the neighborhood, right? Yeah, so yeah. If you were having trouble at home, we could go to them. We can go over to their house. We wouldn't get in trouble or uh, discipline uh, for it. Right. The the neighbors really cared. Uh, They weren't worried about facing, you know, oh, uh, legalities. um, having. They they weren't worried about those things. They they were a community. And Mm -hmm. really, uh, that was the focus, like protecting their community. Heck, back when when I was growing up, you had gangs. But some of these gang members, they were actually the protectors of the community. Right. Uh, I know even in my mom's generation. And older generations, uh, boomers, right? They, they, the gangs weren't about terrorizing the neighborhood. They were actually about protecting it. Yeah, yeah, and in a sense of like brotherhood, and and just because um, when I was listening to your TED talk, that you talked about the gangs, and mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of it for me when I think about it, like we want to belong. Everyone wants to feel like they belong somewhere. They want to feel like they have a purpose. They want to feel loved. So if you're not getting it in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're going to find your need somewhere. And there's, there's some sort of, I mean, if we we think back to sorority, black sororities and and, um, fraternities, like those were started. So we had a place. Now that's obviously organized and, and for the greater good of the community versus gangs, it's kind of the same mindset of brotherhood, but it's, I guess, more in a crime kind of infested. You get what I'm saying. I get it. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I just, I just had that thought. I just wanted to interject, but go right ahead. No problem. So recognizing that uh, 21st century uh, tweens and teens are facing these different types of challenges uh, on top of living in a digital, or as I call it, too much information world, right? Where they have exposure to things that, yeah, we, we couldn't even fathom. Right. Yeah. So understanding that we are making these comparisons, they're actually unfair. Yes. Uh, And we should, I tell people to 
lead with love and not fear. Yes. And I'm telling you, that can change things. So when you're leading with empathy and understanding, uh, you're able to build a deeper connection with the young people in your lives. And I think that it has to happen uh, collectively because it's not just up to the parents. It's not just up to the teachers. Uh, Each and every one of us has responsibility to take care of the kids in our schools, our communities, in our homes. Yes. Yeah. No, I I love that you're touching on that because I do feel that there, you know, each generation has their thing. And I know that... You know, the, my my parents have probably said, oh, you know, your grandparents said this about our generation. And there's always something. But I think that I don't and I can't really speak to when my parents were kids. But I do feel that that is there's been so much that has happened, especially with COVID. And I think that unveiled a lot. And in terms of milestones, so one of my areas of expertise is literacy. And so I have a coaching side of my business, but I have an ed therapy side of my business and and really working with dyslexic kids, more so the brown and black community. That's where a whole bunch of families saw what's going on in schools until their kids were at home doing virtual school. And they're like, my kid's in second grade. Why are they not learning to read? Like what is happening here? And a lot of them, what some of the students I work with now are in, you know, fourth grade or fifth grade. And so, yeah, they were like in kindergarten, first grade then. And so I get a lot of, well, they were a COVID kid. You know, they were, uh, you know, they didn't learn to read. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like this is just, we don't think about those milestones and we don't really consider it's not that they're not working hard. It's just that this was kind of a disadvantage. No one ever really, I don't think anybody ever thought that all of a sudden there'd be a movement for people wanting to work remotely and to not want to commute anymore. So that is a whole game changer as well. And I feel like that builds a level of resiliency too. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, And just knowing that, they can they can move through it, right? We look at resiliency uh, resilience as uh, it's a muscle, right? It's something it that is. you build, you know. But, but it's also not something that, right? It's, it's something that we want to make sure uh, the young people in our lives have resilience. But it's also our job to make it so that the circumstances in their lives they don't have to always struggle and have these challenges because when when people when i hear all of that negative talk about this generation being soft or they have it easy my thing is they should have it easier than we did each generation should have some of the trauma lifted should have more opportunities to reach their goals uh we this is what we're working toward right that's what at least that's what i thought you know yeah I get it. Wanting to instill certain values in in your your children or um, your your students, mentees, but at the same time, we have to understand that we it's it's our job um, to help them and, and support them in getting to uh, their goals. We want to help them, you know, reach their full potential. Well, how are we going to help them reach their full potential if we're knocking them down? Yeah. You know, so when you were talking, I was thinking of a lot of different angles, more specifically in our community, mm-hmm. in a sense that, you know, and I think a lot of this really goes back to slavery, just how we were 
reprimanded or, you know, just certain mm-hmm. ways that you would know, you know, I, I have a black mom, you know, certain things that we say like, oh, well, mm-hmm. white people, you know, do this and we do this. And I just think while there's some kind of humor and like, oh yeah, that happened in my house too. There's still trauma with that. And my question to you, I mean, this is still formulating as I'm talking, but like, I don't believe that we should keep passing down that trauma, but I also don't know if our previous generations know that they're still passing down that generation. I mean, that uh, trauma. So then it leads to some of the comments that you're saying, you know, this generation's soft and this and all that. And it's just, how can we, I guess, how do you work through that with with your mentoring, you know, in your, in your empowered flower girl organization? I mean, are these things that you talk about? I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. Like I said, this question is literally coming to me as as I'm listening. And I'm like, this is actually a problem in our community where it's like, we need to stop. We need to break the dysfunction and that cycle. We do. We really do. And it's hard. And when you're that person who is breaking it, then all of a sudden you're like, you know, ostracized and you're disrespectful. I'm like, no, I'm just setting boundaries. Boundaries. That's the word. Yes. Yes. Uh, but I want your thoughts on that. Yeah. There, you know, there's no one size fits all solutions. <laughs> there are many of them, right? But one of the things that I've done in, in my work with Empower Flower Girl, uh, in, in some of our workshops and programs, while we focus a lot on uh, young people's relationships with one another and themselves, mm-hmm. uh, we also like to bring in the component of working with parents. Yeah. Uh, So there are some programs, for instance, we have a workshop called Chica Chat. And I really love Chica Chat because it helps girls and young women uh, and youth who identify as female. It really helps them to get to know one another in a safe space where they can share uh, some of the challenges that they face, but also give advice to each other. Uh, We also challenge stereotypes and help uh, young people really get to know one another on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I found that once they get to know one another, uh, they are less likely to engage in in the bullying and the social exclusion, those sorts of things. When they find out, oh yes, my classmate, well, they're facing homelessness or this young person, another young person in my class, well, they lost their mom recently or, you know, parents went through a divorce. So they have more empathy, right? Mm -hmm. For their classmates and they're able to get to know another uh, on a different level. Right, Uh, right. But but one of the things that we do is we will have some of these workshops where we bring in the parents as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because I've been finding Okay. Yeah, a lot of times, <laughs> does this? They're like insights. So uh, I, I found that a, a lot of the times, the the girls and young women they're having challenges with each other in the classroom because uh, they also have moms in their homes who are having these same sorts of challenges with their friends or their coworkers. Uh, uh, women haven't really uh, had a chance to get the type of care and help that they need, right? So many of their mothers may not have gone through therapy or um, maybe they haven't had an opportunity to build strong 
relationships, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. a lot of them are passing, like you said, passing these things along. Uh, But I want to make sure that also we're getting to the parents, like those youth advocates, because parents, you know, they're youth advocates as well, right? Right along with the teachers. So oftentimes parents don't necessarily get an opportunity to be a part of uh, these programs. So I, I love it when I work with a school or community organization that says, hey, uh, we'd love to have you come work with the girls, uh, but we also, what about if we did a mother-daughter version of the Chica Chat? So a a lot of the work we will bring in the parents so we can continue to foster that intergenerational empathy and understanding because they need support. Uh, They need help uh, as they are raising their children. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And I have really transitioned a lot of the work that we're doing uh, to help support the youth advocates, mentors, parents, educators. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And I think so many of us don't realize how much a mentor can really make a difference in in one one child's life. Yes. You know, just having that consistent person. So my background is special ed. And um, I always found the most challenging kids the best because they actually needed that consistency. You know, the teachers that were afraid, oh, well, this kid's going to do this or I can't deal with this. Well, honestly, like what they need is that consistency. What they need is someone showing up for them. What they need is someone believing in them because my my whole thing is as a, as a parent, but also as as an educator is they're kids, Okay, so they're a product of their environment. And it's our job as the adults and the mentors to say, all right, this kid is 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 veering off. You know, how do we how do we get them to see, you know, get back over here and see the light to say, you can be somebody. This is you don't have to choose this path. And I think that when we put in that work, we do see, you know, the the fruits of our labor. And it's it's not an easy task and it's not a quick fix either. But I mean, you clearly have the the passion and the the love for this mm-hmm. to make that systemic change because you and I both know our community needs this and we and nobody's gonna save us but ourselves. <laughs> that so, is right. And yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I <sighs> I'm so passionate about helping young people to uh, to live above these challenges. Uh, our mission is to help them live above those challenges so they can make a difference in the world. Yes, because you know they they are the not even next generation leaders; they are the now generation leaders, right? Yes, uh, and we want to make sure that they're equipped to be able to one handle the challenges, but to also take advantage of the incredible opportunities Opportunity. that to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And to give them the uh, resources that they need if, if they have their own ideas for uh, nonprofits or if yes. they want to start uh, some sort of initiative to give back and, and make a difference and create this change, uh, we want to give them the foundation so they can do it. Um, yeah. We, we love showcasing young people uh, through our She's Empowered program. So it's for girls and young women, non-binary youth who uh, are creating change in their communities, who are uh, artists, activists, authors. I uh, love that. Yeah. So we want to showcase the good work that they're doing yeah. in the world yeah. so that young people know we really care about them. And mm-hmm. it's not just about what bad young people are doing that's bad or wrong, always putting them right. down. Uh, 
No, we, we need to showcase uh, them when uh, they're contributing, when they are, um, when they're doing things that, you know, should be recognized and maybe they don't get recognition for on a day-to-day basis. Right. Uh, so we want to make sure that they're, they're in the forefront, that we are having our young people on display in a way that makes them feel proud mm-hmm. and yes. others mm-hmm. as well. Yes. I love this. Wow. So Rashida, this was a really amazing conversation. And so I'm so sorry we have to like conclude this episode, but I think we really dropped some nuggets and gems. And before we conclude, I do want you to share how can our audience uh, reach you? You know, is there a signature product that, you know, you really want to promote where they can reach out and, and get to know you a little bit better in your business? So why don't you share that with our audience? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I can't believe you know, time flies. I was like, ooh, this conversation is good. I uh, know. <laughs> we'll have to continue offline or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. Thank you so much. Uh, so if anyone wants to connect with Empowered Flower Girl, we're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, as well as LinkedIn at Empowered Flower Girl. Uh, you can also check out our website, empoweredflowergirl.com to learn more about our programs. Uh, One of the uh, programs and initiatives that is near and dear to my heart is our Girl World Peace Academy. And that's for the youth advocates, those who want to uh, build deeper connections with the young people in their lives, um, especially those who are more motivated to help our girls and and young women uh, and gender expansive youth to help them to again, live above those challenges and support them in um, going out into their communities and, and making a positive impact. Because I know that at the end of the day, that's what we want Yeah, for yeah. young people. And whether you know, you're a teacher or a, a parent, a mentor, you run an after-school program, but you're just looking to take it to the next level, or you're looking to start uh, a mentoring program or kindness club or some sort of youth. I like that. Yeah. Some yeah. Sort of youth empowered initiative. Uh, we give you the tools and support and strategies that you need to, you know, make those connections with the youth, but also to get, get noticed for the good that you're doing in the world. Yeah. So Rashida, you're based in Detroit, right? Yes. I'm based in uh, so, Detroit. So how, so if, if, if someone in California wants your services, how does yeah. that work? Yeah, so thank you for asking that. <laughs> so thank you for asking that because the Girl World Peace Academy is virtual. It's a virtual Perfect. program. Right. But I I work with school districts, um, schools throughout the US, Canada, UK, and so Yes, yes, yes. International. I love that. And that's actually one of the good things about COVID. You know, we really are, have expanded like, hey, I can do business. I've done presentations in Africa in this room (laughs) and I love it. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love this. So, okay. Those of you who are excited to really click and and see what Empowered Flower Girl is all about, be sure to to click the show notes. It's in the show notes. If you are listening, it's in the show notes and the YouTube page. You know where to look. So I am just so thrilled to have you on this week's episode. And yes, this has been such an amazing conversation. I love, I love meeting such strong women, especially strong black women who really are doing good in the world. It's it really it's just, it, it really warms my heart, like seriously. So this was such a great conversation and yeah, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>
See you then. Thank you for joining us this week on the Resilience Unlimited show. Be sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. See you next week, divas. And don't forget, stay resilient.